Istanbul 74 presents How Can We All Make It Into the Future? 74 podcast series. On the podcast, we discuss the global pandemic we're currently facing and how it'll reshape our reality and society with opinion leaders and creative minds from all over the world. Let's explore together what the future might bring for us. So hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Istanbul 74's podcast. It's called How Can We All Make It Into the Future? My name is Alison Hugel. I'm a writer based in Berlin and editor-in-chief of Berlin Artlink online magazine. Today I'm speaking with Berlin-based artist Michael Seelshofer. Hi Michael, how are you doing? Good, hey there. good. I'm good. Um, I wanted to start by asking you about um, this looming topic uh, of this podcast, which is how can we all make it into the future? Um, I think it was developed in relationship to the pandemic this last year. And so I wanted to ask you first how this last year um, of this pandemic has affected your work and your practice, if it has. Yeah, I think it had a, it had a big impact like on my practice, like in the, it changed like the whole way. I think we are working, there are hardly any exhibitions, there is no art fairs, you're much less conversation and so inspiration, I think with, with other artists, you don't go to the movies, to the theater, it's difficult to see exhibitions. I think it changes a lot, like the way and nature you're, approaching things and how you're uh, doing art, I say. Yeah, and also, I mean, I was thinking about the kind of materials of your practice as well, which are, you know, not very, uh, they're somewhat analog in a way. So I was wondering how this kind of new online audience has affected the interaction with your work, actually. Does that, I mean, would it be possible for you or is it adequate for you to experience your work in digital space, would you say? I think we, we were talking about this um, in the studio today, actually, um, this morning. I think it really depends to the work and how, how you would make work for a digital space and how the space is necessary for the, for the thing you're creating or doing. Um, up to now, I think for me, it was always very important that you can really physically experience like the sculptural works so that you can see it, that so you can walk around. A lot of pieces are about smell or about heat or are about a very physical experience like noise or whatever. And I think for me, it's hard at this point to see my work um, perceived uh, only in a digital space. Yeah, and yet somehow I could see the potential there, maybe even like, uh, even with VR or something, you know what mm -hmm. I mean, of experiencing your work in a different way. But yeah, I can imagine that it's hard to see with, uh, with the kind of materials and like you said, the senses that are needed to interact with your work. Mm. Yeah, so as you know, I guess I reminded you that we, um, I did a studio visit with you yeah, Back almost yeah. 10 years ago. Um, and I know your studio a bit. It's beautiful space, really big space. And you had a lot of really large scale works um, on the go there when I was there. 
And I was just wondering if you could talk a bit about what your a day at your studio looks like these days in this pandemic situation. Mm, I think it didn't change so much. Like I, I still do my studio pra practice. I come here like as often as possible. And I think we are still preparing work for upcoming shows, which of course like get postponed like all the time. But otherwise we are still like, like here and producing and, and doing artwork, which is my, my job in my life actually. And you have, you have a team that you work with in your studio then? Yes, I, I have this team and I still have the same team as beforehand. So mm -hmm. um, it, it didn't change so much. Yeah. So what kind of, yeah, what's your process like? I mean, I remember when I was there, there were lots of kind of almost architectural models in the space. Um, do you still do that kind of modeling for your exhibitions or like what is your process to make some of the bigger scale works? Um, as I work a lot like for the space and for the architecture, I think almost every show starts um, with, with, a, with a space or a model of the space. But of course, also with the, with the work and with the topics I'm interested in at the moment. At the moment and then it, it's just like mating together. It, it's quite often that I build like a, a model of the space and then I try to develop like a, 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 the best possible show for the space. Yeah, that makes sense. And so do you often model, you often model the space, the spaces that you're exhibiting in beforehand? Actually, almost, uh, almost every time. I'm starting the process. Uh, there are some exceptions, like when I've done a, a show in a gallery space for the second or third time and you know the space already, then you can do it more intuitively. But when I do a show in a space for the very first time, I think I would always build a market of the space. Mm -hmm. And I remember, well, you just said something kind of interesting in the, in the first question about this kind of, so you say your studio, life hasn't maybe changed a whole lot, but it's more the lack of inspiration um, from seeing people, which I think all of us <laughs> probably feel yeah. to a certain extent. Um, I'm interested in, yeah, like what are your, your artistic inspirations? Because I think in a lot of the writing around your work, people often cite, you know, um, various artists who might've inspired your work, but I'm interested to hear from you about that. I think it's, um, I think it's, it's life in general, like it's mm -hmm. your life, like in, in what you, and I think it's, it's life and it's how it's changing all the time and it is different topics and different tasks. And I think when, when life changes, like in general, then probably at, a, at, a, at an extent also like your practice is changing or uh, how you, how you deal with things. and. Of course, it's it's also shows you're seeing. It's like it's it's theaters, it's concerts, it's like um, it's people you're talking with. It's a bar. It, it can, it's a lot of different things, and all of that is melting together, like in 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 what you're thinking about, and um, and it's leading to to your artistic practice. Yeah, it's something that can't really be replicated easily on online, I guess. Um, yeah, and I would love to talk a bit about your current exhibition that's up now in Copenhagen. I'll let you say the name of the gallery because I'm not really 
uh, confident about <laughs> that. Uh, it's Afskal Gallery. It's okay. like a, a gallery in Copenhagen. I mm -hmm. work with since a couple of years now, and it's my second show uh, at Afskal Gallery uh, with uh, uh, title Heavy Eyes, which opened three weeks ago. Yeah, so in this series, um, and it's a new series, right? I think it's even from this year. You're using cosmetics such as eyeshadow as a material. Um, and yeah, this seems like an interesting turn, I thought. I mean, it's, it's a soft material in some ways. And I think a lot of your works have this underlying kind of poetic nature to them um, that maybe betrays the materials being used. And I would love to hear more from you about, yeah, this series and why the choice to use this material. Yeah, it's, it's actually starting already earlier with, with, an, um, with a piece I did two years ago or a body of works called Heavy Tears. Mm -hmm. And it was like tears uh, painted with lipstick on lead. And, and I really, like like this um, um, gap in between like the heaviness of the lead and the tear and the lipstick, uh, which has like something, as you said, like something very soft and poetic to it, especially in the combination. And I like like to develop, I developed it further like last fall and beginning of this year and I did this new body of work and still doing it. I think it's the most up-to-date body of work I'm, I'm in at the moment. And it's um, actually eyeshadow on lead. And, yeah. uh, and I use actually the lead stretched on, on, a, on a stretcher for canvas. And I, I, I follow like all the traces and damages of the lead and try to make like a painting with eyeshadow on the lead. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I described it, I'm not sure if it's really the right kind of description, but um, as this kind of like using these more masculine coded materials in some ways, like you use a lot of cars and car parts, you have guns, you have fire and rockets and <laughs> this kind of thing. And then there's often this kind of twist to the whole thing. And I think that's really unique about your work. With the tears, I wanted to because this motif it even goes back to um a film that you made right in 2015 yeah i think it was 2015 or 2014 okay and it's it's, uh, it's called tears mm -hmm. and i did cast um three sculptures shaped as tears um from cast iron each about like two tons um, heavy and I painted those blue and then I had the chance to work with a house of friends uh, close to Frankfurt um, in, in Wiesen and um, Friedrich and Johanna they had the idea like to to destroy this house and build a new one and they asked me if I would like to do a project with the house and I had the piece in mind and the, in the piece um, I'm throwing those um, casted, uh, cast iron um, tears on the house from cranes around the house until the house is completely flattened and destroyed. And that was actually the first um, tear piece. And um, 
within the following couple of years, I think until 2019, I did, a, I did several um, pieces around the motif of tears, which is of course like very personal and had a lot of to do with my, with my life during that time. And mm -hmm. I did a whole show like New York, um, 2019 called Tear Show with Emmanuel Perrotin. Okay. It showed like the whole body of like tear projects, like the lipstick tears, uh, um, like a piece called um, Tear Dryer, um, Tear Press, TTV, Tear TV, um, also the, the video piece we were uh, just talking about. And uh, what's with the teeth? <laughs> As um, a... Yeah, those happened afterwards. Like I, I did also like some um, salt tears, like tears made from salt, mm -hmm. um, which which I showed like in an outdoor exhibition um, together with goats. And during <laughs> the exhibition, the goats were licking the salt tears away, and. Um, and um, I liked this material to carve like sculptures out of salt because it had like a certain timeline and the decay in it already. It's like very old material from like very ancient oceans like under us. And um, I like to use this material with its whole history. And, and, and on the other hand, it can be washed away within, within hours like and um and then I, w I was interested like in the like in a lot of works like in the process of transformation and transformation in their own body and then i thought okay teeth stand a lot for tra transformation in the body like you have the your first teeth and you lose them you have the second teeth and teeth are also quite often like a symbol of of decay like in, in your body and I thought it works very well, like in the in the material, like in the salt. And then I started to do like all my teeth, like 32 of them in mm -hmm. salt, which are shown at the moment at the Berghain in Berlin, at the club mm -hmm. in the smoking area. And I think all of this works very well, like in this, in, in, this, um, in, the, in the club where, where you can really, feel the salt and sweat and decay and like so surreal and, and day and night and uh, I think they're still there on view until September. Yeah I think the the tears and the teeth uh, <laughs> have a lot of there's definitely like a psychoanalytic dimension <laughs> there I think and you know destroying the house with your tears is also really interesting. It's not the first uh, house that you've destroyed in your work though as as I understand. I remember um, one of your earlier works, this, is it Drei Ster mit Ausblick? Is that, I don't know if it's translated, that title. No, that's the title. It's Drei Ster mit Ausblick. It's actually like, um, it's like a Bavarian title. Like I was okay. born in Bavaria and uh, one Ster, it's like one cubic meter of burning wood. Mm -hmm. And it means like uh, three cubic meters of burning wood with a good view. So it means like Drei Ster mit Ausblick. <laughs> Okay, so it's like it's like an advertisement for the the property. Kind for the wood. <laughs> yeah. In the view. <laughs> yeah, and in that one, you you slowly took apart 
uh, an old cabin, right? And fed it to the fire inside the cabin? Yeah, it's a piece I did um, already in 2002 when I still was an, a student at the Munich Art School together with a, a colleague of mine, with Jürgen Heinert. And um, I bought this cabin from a, from a farmer close to my father's house. And then we took the, this cabin, the wooden house apart with a chainsaw uh, over two days and fired it in its own chimney. So actually in the, in the video documentation, you see like a cabin, a wooden house, like consuming itself. Yeah, and I think this, you have a sort of interest in using buildings a lot in your work, or also, also maybe in the rural in general, rural spaces and the potential there for your work, which I imagine this year is probably a good, a good thing, you know, that you had already started working in this um, kind of setting. It's like, it's easier maybe now than working in public space in a city, for example, during this pandemic. Yes, that's how I actually started, like to do artworks in the rural space. So I, I started, like said already as a student, when you don't have the possibility to show in galleries or in um, in museums or in, in, in public spaces. So I did like all the very first pieces just in the countryside because I wanted to do things and I thought it was always like a good contrast to to put something there. And it was also very ecologic because it was close to my father's house so I could use his tools and his electricity or whatever and just realize it there. Yeah, it sounds pretty fun too, <laughs> actually. Um, and yeah, do you, in your practice in general, do you feel, I feel there's a connection to architecture from an art perspective. And I know that comes up a lot in people's interpretations of your work. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, first of all, I think I was always interested in architecture and I, I was always fascinated in, in artists like working within and around architecture, like for example, Gordon Mata Clark, I studied a lot while I was a student, um, like deconstructing and architecture and turn it into something completely different. But I was, the most interesting thing was like how he used architecture like as a kind of metaphor and like what a building becomes when you like split it or cut it and how it's like used metaphorically or like personalized in this project and it gets like scars and it gets distracted and I, I think that's one thing I was always very interested in. Yeah yeah no I think you do that really well. Um, but going back to the, the tears for a second, um, because I think there are so many works to talk about, um, obviously in relation to, to those, um, the Cowboys tears, mm -hmm. what's that all about? It <laughs> was a piece I also did for the tear show at Perota Gallery. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually it's just a rope, like suspended from the ceiling going all the way like from the top to the bottom of the staircase of the gallery and about every meter of the rope, I think the rope is 10 or 12 meters long, there is like a casted tear hanging on the rope. And in the end, it, it's very comic 
in the end. It's like just like one line of tears like dripping from the ceiling to the floor as if like a, a giant would cry or whatever. Yeah, there is this kind of tragic comic um, aspect to the, the tear pieces, I think. You know, you feel like there is something heavy about it, heavy tears, but also, you know, like it comes from a genuine place of emotion, but also, mm. you know, the way it's presented can be like with the, the tears falling on the roof and destroying the house is, is kind of comical in some ways. Yeah, and I think that's also an important part of the piece that when you look at the video, um, the speed of the tears like falling on the roof of the building, it's not quite right. So it, it actually looks like very surreal. It, it looks more like a theater play. And I think that's also on purpose because I, I think I like the moment when it's, a kind, when it's kind of surreal and you don't know whether it's like a puppet on strings play, whether it's an animation and, and it opens up like a completely new world and, um, and, and also opens up this gap of, the, of this comic world even, even further. Yeah, I want to ask also about um, your choice to kind of this recent piece that you did, um, heavy, is it very heavy cloud? That's what's called. Mm -hmm. um, it relates, like you said, to this Himmel, Himmelbelin one. Mm -hmm. So what was, how did you come to the idea to recreate that in bronze? Mm, actually it came along with, uh, with the heavy eyes, with the lead paintings. And oh, yeah. um, I think, of course I have this heaviness uh, already in the material. And on the other hand, they have something very light uh, due to the eyeshadow and the colors of the cosmetics. And I thought it's important like for the show to have like another, um, you also have the smell in the space, which is also light and it smells like rose, almost mm -hmm. like the cosmetics on the lead. And then I thought it's important to have like another sculptural, uh, sculptural counterpart to this lightness in the space and have like a heavy base. So that's why I, I thought it's good to have like, so heavy clouds lying on the floor. And I thought it's important that they're not made from rubber, but that it's actually casts made from bronze. And uh, I, I, somehow it felt right to have these clouds in contrast to this rose parfum in the space. And it, it came together pretty naturally. Yeah, it looks, I mean, I actually, when I first saw the, the picture on your website, I thought it was another one in the uh, rubber, mm. rubber. So it actually does, I mean, I don't know how it is in person, but it looks quite convincing in the picture. <laughs> I didn't realize it was bronze, so yeah. And, yeah, and on the other hand, I sometimes like to, to step back a little bit and use something I've already done beforehand and give it like another turn and, and turn it into something else and use it again. And I think it's nice to have like, I've done so many different things that I can just like go back 10 years, grab something, use it again and, and use it as a kind of language within my, within my work. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, maybe we can talk more about the masks, like the, the show I've done before at Afskal Gallery. Yeah. There are mask sculptures. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, I saw a lot about those now as I installed the show there. 
and it's actually masks made from cardboard, which are also like very light, which look almost like very ancient masks, like oceanic art, African mm -hmm. masks, like, um, mm -hmm. and like with a mixture of like very technical parts or architecture or machine parts. And I built those like in cardboard, cast those like in, um, in heavy materials like bronze or aluminum. And then they were painted, some of those were painted as, uh, as the cardboard. So they really look like cardboard that they're actually casts. And I think that um, it's also like makeup more or less. And it, I think they're also like pretty close to the, to those heavy eye paintings. And I think I also like to build like brick bridges between like an earlier series and like a new series and how it's all connected. And that's something I saw a lot about uh, now installing this show in Copenhagen. Yeah, those are really nice pieces. And also again, very um, deceiving, I guess, on a first glance, which is something that's always really interesting about your work, I think. Um, yeah, it's also also nice like to put those outdoor because you think it's actually like a cardboard sculpture, and yeah. it's explain this different perspective on how you see things. Yeah, and yeah, do you want to talk about maybe what you have um, upcoming this year if everything goes <laughs> according to plan, which I know is it's not always easy to make plans still, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, we are working, of course, on several things. Like, um, we just worked on a show for Mexico City for Proyectos Monclova, which should have opened now in April, but was postponed to probably next year. So now I have a show planned in Zurich with Libby Fine Arts, which is supposed to open on June 11. And that might happen. Uh, I hope so. That yeah. still looks okay. I think we are working on the on the pieces and I I hope it, it, it works. And then we had a meeting with König Gallery this morning to plan a show for, for probably January Great. in Berlin. That would be fantastic if that works. And I think we, we just keep on working on different projects and things. And I think it, at one point uh, we will all need it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think hopefully uh, things open up again in Berlin soon, but I know it's not looking great at the, mo <laughs> at the moment, but um, yeah, we're all looking forward to seeing your work in person again. So do you want to talk about that piece, maybe the original video and the, and the, the edition, the 74 edition piece um, that you're doing with Koenig? Yeah, of course. Um, like I, that's that's a, an old piece. I think it's already from two thousand seven, mm -hmm. and it was actually a piece for. It was a, a commission. Yeah, so it was a, a, an, a. It was a commission for Bavaria for a, a building, um, which is actually a research center for regenerative energy energies like made from plants or whatever. And um, I did this piece actually for the foyer or the entrance hall. So you see like on the ground floor, you see like the standing tree. And when you walk up the stairs, you see like the flying trees, 
<laughs> and I think it was like uh, first showing like the energy, which is like in plants, but also the danger, which is like using only plants to create potential new energies and like monocultures or whatever. And you, you see also the destruction in it. And that's how I made the piece. And then I shot the photo also close to my father's farmhouse. Uh, and um, I bought some trees and then I, I buried like cylinders with air pressure under it. And then I shot like a couple of trees in the air <laughs> and, and made this photo piece. Nice. And that will be, um, yeah, that's going to be sold as an edition. Is that the idea? And then we made an edition for Koenig Gallery. And the, the thing about this edition of the lenticular prints that you actually see in one uh, photograph, both. You see like from one perspective, the standing tree, from another perspective, the flying tree. And then it's like both in one, one photo, depending to your angle. Yeah, and speaking of the trees, actually, a really nice piece of yours that I remember from um, a while back. It was also an older work, um, this anti-herbst. Anti-herbst. Anti yeah. yeah. Can you talk about that one a bit? That's actually also like a tree. I did it for a biennial in Germany for the Emscherkunst biennial. And uh, it's actually like an ash tree. Um, and it's a video piece we made in fall 2012 and like we we spent like two months with this tree in total with a team of eight people and every leaf that came down from the tree during fall we collected painted it green and put it back on the tree so in the beginning of the documentation you have a green natural tree standing in the late landscape and in the end of the video you also have a green tree but which doesn't look quite right <laughs> and because every single leaf was like painted green and put back on the tree with zip ties so it's about like more like uh yeah it's called anti-autumn anti-herbst yeah like to manually not make fall happen yeah define the the weather exactly <laughs> yeah i like that one i think it it illustrates a lot of the the humorous and playful quality of your work as well Thank you. Um, even if there's a lot of heaviness in the titles <laughs> yeah um I guess I had one question that I that I skipped maybe, um, which was about sort of the dynamics of your work and how a lot of your sculptural works, even the ones that, not the ones that we just spoke about, which are, you know, obviously dynamic in, when you're shooting rockets and stuff, but um, the ones that you have in the gallery space often have this kind of performative quality. Um, mm. They're often in motion and, yeah, I am interested in your choice in that sense. Um, quite often, it's not about the motion itself. I think it's more like something's hap something happens or that the piece has like a kind of life or timeline on, on its own. 
And like, for example, when we talk about a piece like Time is not a motorway, Zeit ist keine Autobahn, which is a car tire doing burnouts on the wall of the gallery. Um, I think it's, it's about like that the piece itself is a timeline and it's, it's creating dust on the gallery floor and it's creating smell in the gallery floor of burnt rubber, which spreads out and that you actually have like a small piece um, physically, but which fills like a huge space with, with the smell and with the sound. And to create that, you sometimes need like a motor or motion. But I, I wouldn't say I'm a like kinetic artist for the, for the sake that it's like moving or moving parts. I think it always has to like do something or create something or create a life on its own. Yeah, I think an interesting um, work to talk about in, in that respect is the, the recent exhibition that you had at Koenig, I guess it was a few years ago now, in 2017, mm -hmm. um, that was called Hitzefrei, is that right? Yes, that was the title of the entire show, was Hitzefrei. Yeah, and in that, in that you created uh, burning sculptures or a sort of stove oven within these car sculptures. Can you speak about that? Um, yeah, it was actually the piece itself, like the main space is called Brenner. It's uh, Brenner, it's, it's, two, it's two different things. One, it's an oven. On the other hand, it's a highway going from Germany through Austria to Italy. Okay. So it's, it's, and there are always traffic jams. I had that in mind because I traveled there quite often as a kid with my parents to make holidays. Mm -hmm. So actually what I did there in Koenig Gallery was actually like a traffic jam. You had like six cars jammed in the gallery space or the body of the cars, not the entire cars, just like the steel body. Um, without doors, without engines, without seat, just the pure steel body from the manufacturer. And that was painted in black and very, actually the engine would be, I installed wood ovens. Like every car had like a wood oven installed and um, everything was black. And then you had like uh, from each car, there was a chimney going um, through the roof of the gallery. And um, I also liked that the gallery actually became something like a factory or the gallery is actually a former church. So the church became something like a factory. And the show opened in February and it was really cold outside. And when you entered, you had like 30 degrees, 35 degrees due to the oven. So you really had a sauna and it's made like fire wood and fire burning. And I think you also had like a very physical, almost like claustrophobic um, situation there. And um, that was the show more or less. It's interesting that you mentioned the the autobahn thing or the the Brenner, um, mm. because the title of the show, right, is Hitzefrei. Is this signifies sort of this like when it's too hot to go to school, right? And school exactly. closed. Right? So it's kind of invoking this nostalgic side as well of being in a hot car, <laughs> I guess also with your family or. <laughs> yeah, and I think it both has two sides. You know, when I. 
when when I we had hitze fries sometimes at school, like when I was like six or seven years old, and it was too hot to go to school, we had mm-hmm. like a day off or maybe the last two hours of the day, and I think that was always like a very positive thing because you didn't have to go to school, but now like under under the circumstances like with global warming or, or whatever, it can also be seen like from the other side and. I think that's also interesting. And then you combine it like with the cars, you have the Brenner, you have the traffic jam, it can be positive. But on the other hand, you can't escape it when it's uh, too hot for too long. Yeah, absolutely. In the clock tower, you had as a second piece, the videos we just talked about, the training piece. So you walk, walked up the clock tower, which was not heated, where it was very cold. And there, there was green, the peace train, and like with those iron tears falling on the house. So it was, it was almost like a condensation of the heat and the water in the clock tower uh, formating those tears or whatever. And in the ground floor, you had like a huge pile of wood when you entered the gathering space. So it was like made of those three components, like the, the wood on the ground floor, the cars on the first floor in the main gallery space and in the clock tower, the video piece, the training. And you mentioned something um, when you were talking about the Brenner piece that was, that it reminded you of a factory almost. You have another piece that's also dealing with factories, don't you? Is that right? I think I saw a video. Am I confusing things right now? There's a video called Factories that's on your website. Um, I Yeah, there is a piece called Factories. I uh-huh. did it a couple of years ago. It's actually like um, three concrete cubes. And I, I installed like, uh, like prototypes of sculptures made from mm-hmm. B-Bags in those concrete cubes. Okay. And then I put like uh, bees in each of those cubes and the bees actually finished those sculptures like with with their with what they would build there anyway it's a piece i did a couple couple of years ago and then later towards the end of the year i took like those by the bees finished wax sculptures casted them in bronze and put it on top of those like uh Concrete cubes as a pedestal. Is another one of those the the battery battery one? Exactly. They I did those during the same time, like for also for a short Koenig gallery. I did it's like light bulbs. I cast it in beeswax, put those light bulbs in in beehives, and the the bees built their structure on top. I took them out and casted them in black bronze and they're like suspended from the ceiling. Yeah, they look really cool. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But I'm working on also more of those pieces at the moment. Great. Mm, yeah, I mean, do you want to talk maybe a bit more about what you're, what you're working on at the moment or is it all highly top secret? Not really, but it's, it's different things and I always try a lot of things and I quite often don't even know if I will finish it, I don't know the outcome or how it will look like, or maybe I change my mind. So actually the, the, the biggest body of work I'm working on at the moment is um, the, the lead paintings. 
that's mm -hmm. brand new and that's really fun doing at the moment. And then I always try a lot of other things around, like different, different experiments and stuff. So more of those bee sculptures, for example. And how like, do you get uh, industrial quantities of eyeshadow for, <laughs> for these pieces? I just buy it. I'm, I'm like the, probably the best customer in the Mac and in the Chanel shop at the moment. Wow. Okay. So you're not, you're not cheaping out on the, uh, <laughs> on the quality of cosmetics either, are you? I think uh, I trust, I'm just looking for the best uh, looking options and, uh, yeah. and tried a lot, tried out a lot. And I, I tried all different kinds of brands. Okay. Well, I think that's all, and I guess I will. I would like to say thank you very much for for speaking with me today and for taking the time. Um, I think it was really interesting to hear a lot about your new works um, and what you're working on now. I'm looking forward to seeing it in person soon. Thank you very much to you.